5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 1, 1. We have ignition. Strap in. You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com. Hello and welcome everyone to this very special edition of God Stories Radio, our one-year anniversary show, Session 40. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. And I'm Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom is with us, and man, we couldn't be more fired up to have him. Absolutely. But it's been a crazy week around here at God Stories Radio. What's going on, Mikey? Just a lot of stuff. Riding the wave? Uh, Riding the wave. I haven't said that in a while. No. Riding the wave. We're going to get some t-shirts made up of riding the wave absolutely <laughs> we got a uh, elton john sitting across from me over here with the with the glasses oh mm-hmm. the sparkle you know my bling. blingy bling oh yeah my dolce gabbana new glasses thank you for noticing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't hating on them they were actually uh i like them they're pretty cool right yeah thank you it matches your 10 gallon water jug <laughs> that you bring Every week. Every week. It's Florida, brother. I'm it's amazed Florida. that you make it through a show with that thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, it was crazy the other night because my brother-in-law is kind of a man of few words. On this show, we've never really asked for any handouts or money or support or anything. We've pretty much funded it ourselves, and we had just kind of made up our mind that we were going to try to go to the next level on our own and my brother-in-law comes in and goes you know god just told me on the way over here you guys should put a donate button on your website and we were like what What? for money but i know rex yeah i know rex too and that wasn't flipping no that was not whatsoever i'm just here to tell you it's there on the very front page of the website and please pray about it and if you want to help us continue this ministry go to the next level press the button right and this all came down our last session with uh, pastor don Fryman. right 20 minutes within 20 minutes these yep. these things happened rex walked in after uh before dawn left uh she uh invited us to go to celebrate recovery that they have at their church and give uh, our testimonies each one of us each one of us i can't wait i can't either and that goes along with about i looked it up and it was about eight months ago that I felt God telling me that I want you to take God Stories Radio on the road. So um, I'm thinking, is that the push, or is that, okay, here's your start. So Our first remote, I'm so excited. I have no <laughs> doubt that it's the push. It's the start. No doubt about it. Yeah, and really? then I, I contacted um, an attorney. I was listening to Moody Radio the other day, and I thought, you know, God's told me to send him an email, and I'm just going to do it. So I sent him an email, and I said, look, we want to do a corporation. We're like just, you know, out of a basement kind of thing. And they said they would help us do a corporation. I couldn't believe it. I woke up in the morning and had that response sitting right there in my email. Wow. 
If I ever doubted a second why you were brought to this ministry, I never doubt again once I read these emails. I mean, you are a go-getter, Trish. And I I just uh, publicly proclaim my appreciation for you. Me too. Absolutely. And then the third thing that happened that night. Oh, the Facebook. Yes, Trish. Yeah, that was a little crazy. We were sitting here and um, Fritz says, oh, there's there's a Facebook message here. And he starts reading it to us, and it was this young lady, and he said that um, she said that she had uh, taken a bottle of pills, and uh, there was some other things going on in her life, and and I was really concerned because I, from my experience before in radio, um, I had a situation where someone had um, tried to commit suicide, and called the radio station after they had taken a bottle full of pills and I said Fritz you got to ask her you know did she just take them or and he's like you know I don't know the details let's and I said get her phone number let's get her number no he gave her your phone number oh that's right and I told you once he gave that phone number I'll bet you within it was 20 seconds it was 20 seconds I bet you within a minute or so your phone's gonna gonna ring I said she's not gonna call she did sure enough she called she did and um she actually said that it was an incident that happened a month ago and that um, she was concerned and she wanted to know if God thought she had done the right thing. And um, by basically, she was a teenager and she was ratting out some friends, so to speak, and and she was getting some flack about that and, you know, it was concerning her. and And I told her, you know, she could have saved somebody's life. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, a bunch of teenagers out doing drugs and partying and all that. And and God told me to tell her that, you know, that she probably saved one of their lives. And, and of all nights that she would pick to do that, the three of us are here. Right. And On we a just night finished that we did the a show. Session. Absolutely. The timing right. was impeccable. Oh, yeah. It was. And actually, I asked her um, if her father, she said that her father, um, Somehow she mentioned that he had said something about her telling her story, and so she Googled us and then found us on Facebook, and she and her father might be calling us and giving their testimony. Oh, I, did, I was not aware of that. Oh, that oh, yeah, gosh. sorry. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's okay. going to be future testimony. Fantastic. Absolutely. So they're coming in. Awesome. Well, All speaking right. of testimony, Mike, who do we have? We have Pastor Tom Barnhill. All right. And... Um, Again, you know, I go off now and then when I see these testimonies start to slow down and I start praying and asking God, okay, where are we going next? Who's coming next? And uh, the way this one happened, um, (laughs) a friend of uh, my roommate, Martin, and he has a a friend that lives down the street. Her name is Angie. And he actually asked her to give her testimony months and months and months ago. And she says, there's no way I'm going to do that. But uh, Pastor Tom happened to be at Bay Hill in uh, in Orlando about a month ago, and they were talking, Angelie and, and Pastor Tom, and then she's, the, the story I got was when she, he was talking to her, right away, my name came into her head, and then she asked for his information. He wrote it down on a napkin, and then she took a picture of it and sent it to Martin. Martin sent it to me, and I sent it to Fritz. And... We have Tom Barnhill right here now. So, Tom, it's all yours. Well, welcome, Tom. Yes, thank you. 
it's uh, strange how God works in these things. We can't orchestrate things the way He does. Amen. You're standing, being the MC at a birthday party for an 87-year-old friend you've known for years, and one of the side people on the side that's helping to serve us came up to me and she said, there's something about you, and I, I love listening to you. And I said, well, it's not me, it's God. Whatever you're hearing is from Him. And uh, she mentioned your name and the ministry, and um, she just thought it was great that we could talk to each other. And when she did, I said, okay, I'd be glad to come in and talk with you. One thing led to another, and here I sit. Mm-hmm. I've been looking forward to it, too. I have, too. I've been chomping at the bit. Ever this, since uh, Mike Thursday. said you were coming. Well, you said a while ago the, uh, the fact that is it a push or is it a nudge or whatever that God is trying to get you prepared. And that's why I'm inviting you all to come to um, the Full Gospel Business Fellowship Prayer Breakfast. We meet every Friday morning at 630. I hop on Lee Road, 1345 Lee Road, and it's an open door for anybody that wants to come and hear testimonies like you give here on the radio station and that's it live in person live in person brings back a lot of fond memories for me because i uh, my dad was very active in full gospel businessmen's um man i used to go as a kid to the breakfast with him so it brings back a lot of fond memories with my dad ihop no (laughs) he's a little older than ihop yeah he said the breakfast and i said who does the cooking I (laughs) i think it was the clock restaurant back then uh, the clock the clock they've been around quite a while I've yeah heard of oh you've heard of the clock I yeah. have oh fantastic so florida, okay. florida thing yeah. mm-hmm. Neat. there was one right here in claremont oh no longer. way oh yeah now we got a waffle house oh, oh yes boy. i saw that <laughs> <laughs> you know when you start out your walking in life and um, mine started in 1945 when mom and dad met each other in california they were both promising artists at a prestigious art school out there and really in retrospect they should never have gotten married but things happened and found out that that um mom had gotten a letter from a studio owner to go to work in the studio and and she had to ask her dad because she was still a student living at home with her parents her dad said no you can't go to work for this gentleman you must stay in school or become married barefoot and pregnant 1945 Mm -hmm. mom had to write a letter to a gentleman and tell him i can't work in your studio the man was walt disney when he first started out wow when mom passed away in 1988 we kids got to see the letter that she got from disney asking her to work for him and my aunt has long passed away nobody knows where the letter is but dad was a promising ballet dancer um at this art college and in mom's art class they needed a nude model forgive me lord dad needed the 60 dollars. he posed for him and they fell in lust with each other and next thing you know my sister was born seven months um after they'd you know met a whopping 60 bucks huh 60 bucks too yeah <laughs> 1945 that was a lot of money back yeah, then well that's true yeah it was. you could that's 1945 like probably get a, a bowl minutes. of chili and a drink for a dime you know <laughs> so she um they met each other and fell in love, and next thing you know, I came along in 1948. Well, as the story goes, we moved to Houston, Texas, and things started falling apart. Dad was actually a very intelligent person, but I realized their anger over the years because neither of them got to pursue their, their career, their dream. Dad never became this 
actor, leading man, which he could have been, and mom never pursued her talents as an artist. Dad finally went on to get a degree, a master's degree in electronics, a very intelligent gentleman, but he also had a dark history behind him. In um, 1953, Dad molested my older sister. Like I said, in 1952, Dad molested my older sister. Mom would not believe him, believe the story. She'd left him so many times that it was pathetic, you know. The thing about it is, is that in uh, 1958, Dad did the same thing to me. Hmm. And so for quite a few years, I lived with the guilt of what was going on. And that can be a burden for anybody at any age. You have to carry that around. Especially Mm -hmm. for a male, though, too. And um, Mom didn't want to believe it. It was easier to stay there and him to finance her, keep the house going and everything, rather than be out on her own. So she just pushed it aside. Pushed it aside. I found one of the best friends I had in Houston, Texas, at a young age, was about a 52-foot tall sycamore tree in the front yard. I found that when I could re- finally reach that bottom limb, I could climb to the top of that and escape everything below. And I spent a lot of time in that sycamore tree. From the top of that tree, I could see downtown Houston. I could see the skyline. But every now and, now and then, I'd look off and see other families and see how they were living. And I thought what was going on in our family was normal. I ran away from home when I was 16, went down and took the Army induction tests. Had enough points to get in, but I didn't weigh enough. Mm. I'm standing there on the scale. It was before lunchtime, and the doctor sitting there was working the scale, trying to get my weight up, and he stopped. He said, I'll tell you what, it's lunchtime. There's box lunches out in the room out there. Why don't you go out and grab a box lunch and uh, uh, be sure to drink a lot of water and eat bananas. They're heavy. <laughs> he was trying to get me some weight on. Mm-hmm. So I went out, traded sandwiches for bananas and drank water. When I walked back in, my socks and underwear, and walked towards that scale, I looked like one of those commercials of an Ethiopian child back then. <laughs> my stomach, you could hear the water sloshing in my stomach. I stepped up on that scale. I looked straight ahead. I would not look at the doctor. He was inching the scale over, and he stopped. A tear fell out of my eye on his hand. He stopped what he was doing, and he said, Son, he wouldn't look at me either. He said, I don't know what you're running from. For you to believe that where you're going is any better than what you're coming from, I can't even promise you if that you do make it into the man's army that, I, that you'll come back from the war alive because I'm sure that's about where they're going to send you. But I can't be the one to stand in your way. I believe that day that God put another angel in my life, hmm. that doctor. Yeah, it came back to haunt me later. I was barely weighed enough to get into the military with his help. I miraculously gained five and a half pounds that afternoon. Got in, became a, a paratrooper. My first parachute jump was fun. It was a lot of fun, except everybody else was sailing down towards the ground, and I caught a gust of wind and was heading up. <laughs> Colonel that was with us said, pull the yellow cord. I reached up and found the cord and pulled it. As I went sailing past him, going down real fast, he said, let go of it now. So I finally learned how to become a paratrooper. But talking about angels unaware in our life, there are people that are placed in our life along the way that we don't recognize at that time. I had an aunt. Her name was Lou Ellen, but we called her Aunt Doodle for some reason. Aunt Doodle was one of those that stood in the gap for us wherever we were at. Aunt Doodle was there to make sure that 
They treated us like children. The problem with it is Aunt Doodle wasn't around all the time. There was a gentleman next door to us. He's no longer with us. Uh, Chuck was his name. One night, I was sent out to look for a tool in the truck, my dad's truck. Dad had a drinking problem, and as we've already established, he had a sexual problem. He had an old Bell telephone truck, and of course, when a tool was missing, I'm the only boy in the family with four sisters. It was the assumption that I'd taken the tool and I needed to find it. When I couldn't find it, the order was, stay outside. You're not coming in until you find that tool. My sister sneaked food to me out the, tried to sneak food out the back door to me for dinner. Dad caught her and beat her with a razor strap. I was hiding in the shed out back, and I made some noise or something, and my neighbor was headed out his back door out to feed his dog the scraps from the table. He heard the noise, and he walked over to the fence, and he said, who's in there? And I didn't answer. I heard a noise, who's in there, and I came out. I, I was cold, and I was shaking. My nickname was Bubba, and he said, Bubba, what are you doing in there? It's cold. You're freezing. I said, yes, sir, and I told him the story. I can't find the tool. I've got to stay out until I find it, and I don't know where to look for it. He caught me looking down at that plate of scraps, and that night he handed that plate of scraps to me, and I ate what that dog should have eaten. And I'm sure that that dog died a few years later because there was the path from his back door to the fence to the dog, from his back door to the fence to the dog. Every night, Chuck would come over and ask, Who, are you in there? He even brought me a blanket. Even after I got married and went back home to visit my family and introduce my wife to them, the first thing that Chuck hollered when he saw me get out of the car, Bubba, where's your blanket? <laughs> I just laughed, and Gene didn't know anything about it, so I just laughed it off. We had, um, like I said, angels unaware. And my precious wife, Jean, was the last one talking about napkins. I must have this thing about napkins. <laughs> God always has a sense of humor where it, yes, it's just he, keep, he keeps reintroducing. Well, I had this thing about napkins. Uh, 1967, I came back from the war in Vietnam. Easter Sunday, God brought me out of there on a commercial airliner with nothing but a severe hearing loss and a greater love for being on American soil. So I got back home, got picked up on a false arrest in Houston, gave my parents now my check to get me a lawyer, get my bond, get me out, let me keep my job. They left me sitting in there for three and a half months on a false arrest for, uh, they used the money to stop a foreclosing on a loan on the house. When they found out who did all the stealing, they let me out. I went home and I'm packing my duffel bag. My mom stands in the bedroom door, she says, where are you going? I don't know, but I'm not staying here. She said, well, what are you leaving for? I said, mom, why did you leave me in jail? She said, we thought we were teaching you a lesson. I said, Mom, you did teach me a very valuable lesson. If I can't trust my parents, who can I trust? I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm not staying here. In typical mom form, she just walked off and went and had another cigarette and a cup of coffee, and that was it. I walked out the door, put my bags on Re-Express, the equivalent to UPS these days, and I uh, headed to Orlando, Florida. A friend of mine, I didn't know how big they were at the time, a friend of mine in Pinecastle had... Uh, invited me to come to Florida if I made it back from Vietnam alive. We'll give you a job, put you up. So I decided to thumb it to Orlando, Florida. I got to Orlando, and when I did, uh, I met with them, and I found out that they owned Correct Craft Boats. Never went to work for them. No, I don't like water. Okay. <laughs> don't like water. Anyway, make a long story short, I went ahead and uh, got a job and was working also a second job at Steak and Shake, Winter Park. I'm standing there in front of that window cooking one Friday night. And as I'm cooking, 
this beautiful little Mustang pulls up in front of me. I uh, send an African out with a note on it. I'd like to meet you. The driver looks at the note, looks at me, looks at the note, looks at me, and points to herself or her blonde girlfriend in the seat next to her. Not her, you. She sent a note back in on the same napkin. We're not dressed properly. We'll be back tomorrow. I looked up. She had a blouse on. Her hair was combed. They were in shorts in 1967. You just didn't come in to a restaurant dressed that way. We met and uh, fought for two years. Got married on July 5th of 1969. And had she not passed away last year, I would have celebrated 44 years with her. Wow. Fantastic. You don't hear that anymore. No, you don't. God has got a sense of humor. You're right. He does. I've been thrown back into the singles market, not by choice, but by circumstances. And um, I've been friends with a gentleman down in South Florida for since 1997. And he has a um, dating company called Equally Oak for Christian Singles. And he knew I had a heart for singles uh, to help them be on the right path. And uh, Tom asked if I would start a chapter in Orlando. So now here I am thrown back into the singles market, <laughs> and I've never seen women come out of the woodwork. If you're a widow, they come out. You're in Florida, brother. Do you know where you are? <laughs> yeah, casserole queen city, I'll tell you. They come out of the woodwork. But that's the new chapter that I'm on is trying to establish um, Equally Yoke for Christian Single, the Orlando chapter. We call it Club EY. If you're Christian and single, we're going to have a website up momentarily. Oh, very good. Mm. Well, welcome, brother. You're in good company. A couple of singles here, not by choice. Not by choice. Not by choice. Okay. The best part about being single again is that you try to see if you get it right the second time. But after, in retrospect, if I look back, there is no better than the first time with her. That lady was ready to go. When they came to her in the hospital and told her you have two to three days left to live, she didn't gasp, she didn't cry, she didn't do anything. Her mother, on the other hand, at the end of bed was doing all of the above. Jean just said, Mom, Mom, God's been dealing with me for the last couple of uh, weeks that something's wrong. I don't know what it is. He, she said, she looked at the doctor and said, what's the next step? They gave her three options. You can, go up, you can go upstairs and die here in the hospital. You can go home and die with hospice or go to a hospice home and die. She said, if I go home, you're going to take this tube out of my throat, aren't you? And I'm not going to be able to drink my tea, am I? She said, no, you won't. She said, I think I'll stay in the hospital. She loved unsweetened tea. She just loved it. She's smart enough to remember. On the fifth day, they, she looked at me and she said, you know what? I don't have to wear shoes anymore. Her mom said, no, you don't. She said, as much as I love dresses, I don't have to wear dresses anymore. I said, no, you don't. She said, you know what? I've been on dialysis and renal kidney failure for the last seven years. She said, you know what I'd love to have? What's that? I'd like to taste a chocolate malt. I went down to the little ice cream shop, got her a chocolate malt, let her taste it. Wasn't going to hurt anything. So we, I'm standing in the hallway on the fifth day on the cell phone, and I'm trying to reach a doctor for a second opinion. She wakes up from a nap, and she says, honey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to get a as your husband, I need to be 100% sure that I'm doing the best I can as your husband. I'm trying to get a second opinion. She said, honey, hang the phone up and come here. I went to the side of her bed. She said, God doesn't need a second opinion to know what he's going to do with me. He's either going to heal me or take me home. Honey, I'm fine with it either way. She said, I'll tell you what. She said, you've never let me down in 44 years of marriage. If you can get me a bed this comfortable and a pump 
to keep the fluid pumped out. I'll go home with you. And I said, okay. She went home with me, and three days later, she passed. And it was the best three days that we had to sit and talk, to love each other. She was so afraid that she wasn't good enough for God. Hmm. We were riding through Claremont one day on Highway 50. I was a sales manager for a demolition company. And after she found out that she was in renal kidney failure, she said um, she was afraid for me to go to bed at night. She was afraid for the lights to turn out. She was afraid for the TV to go off. All these things that she didn't want to be alone. We were riding in the car one day to come look at a job in Claremont, and she said, did you hear that? And I said, honey, I didn't hear anything. What? You didn't hear that voice? I said, no, ma'am, what was it? She said, God just told me that everything's going to be all right. I'm in his hands. That woman never had another doubt. She never had a serious moment. We laughed and kidded for the next seven years. It was the best seven years of my life, and I can only hope and pray it was the best seven of hers. Gentlemen, lady, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Really? Wow. Okay. (laughs) You're a pastor, too, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. Tell us about that a little bit. I worked for eight years as an exhorter um, with a local church group, the Gospel Stable, over in Plymouth, Florida, and um, they kept pushing me to get credentials. I didn't want to be a pastor. (laughs) I didn't. But then my next-door neighbor was picked up for drug abuse and trying to take an overdose, and she was in Lakeside Alternative. I couldn't get in to see her, and she needed me. They I kept, know where you're going with this. They kept <laughs> after me, kept after me, kept after me, and I finally said, what does it take? They helped me get the credentials, and I became a, a fully ordained minister. And uh, shortly after Jean and I started a ministry called the Second Chance Foundation. Second Chance is about as financially based as, as uh, God Radio. It's out of pocket. If I don't have it, you don't get it. But I do know how to network. Give you an example. Young lady in the neighborhood, her teeth are so bad, and she needs dental work. I don't have money. I'm on fixed income. I prayed about it, and I called my wife's old dentist. And I told him, do you remember me? And they said yes. And said, uh, how's your wife doing? I told him she'd passed last year. And I said through her, we're trying to find, we still have the ministry running, we're trying to find a dentist that can help take a young lady on pro bono. Mm-hmm. The next day they called back and said, we'll take her. So that's the kind of ministry I've got that if I meet a single mom that needs a tank of gas or a used tire, I've got a, a relationship with a tire company up in Okoye, Crawford Tire. Gary and I had this relationship that if I send someone in, he helps them. He calls me and tells me what the bill is, and I'll go by and pay it later. I have a stack of tires in there that if there's anything they can use, he takes it out of my stack. If it's none out there that he can use, he takes one out of his and puts one of mine in his stack. But we, it's like I said, it's an out-of-pocket ministry that we fund it all by ourselves. We um, work with people on a one-on-one level mm-hmm. to find out what their needs are and try to serve those needs as God would have us serve them. Amen. I go into about seven nursing homes on a volunteer basis and sing for them. I preach in two nursing homes, um, two Sundays in Claremont, two Sundays in Winter Garden. I told them here in Claremont, if you're looking for fire and brimstone, you're going to have to go down the road because that's not me. I don't believe that Jesus brought people to him through fire and hollering and, and yeah. you know, beating people, browbeating people. I just talk to them as God would have me talk to them. And it has increased so much that 
we started out with 20 people in Winter Garden, and now there's like 65 show up every Sunday in the nursing home, the residents that come in and want to be there. And when, when Claremont here, we've got a, we started out with three people in there, and now the little room we're in is full every Sunday, and they're sitting in the hall. And it's not me, it's God. Mm-hmm. Obedience is one of the best things I've learned. Oh, yes, oh yes. amen. Oh, yeah. Obedience, and you can't outgive God. No, you can't. You can't. That's for sure. It's one of Charles Stanley's uh, 30 principles. Yep. Um, there's also, um, you sent me an email and you said something about uh, a book ready to be published. Yes. <clears throat> I'm working on my personal testimony. It's called Growing Beyond Your Roots. And um, it's a book of hope for anyone who's gone through anything similar to what I've gone through. And it paints a picture of them that no matter how bleak it looks for you, that if, if you will stop and listen to the voice of God, those angels that come around when you don't expect it, the hope is through them and Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the book. We will have it. Um, it's at the publishers now. Oh, nice. And um, I'm still working on the paperwork, and I have more to pay for it, but God's working that out too. Amen. That's awesome. That is. It's awesome. What do you say? I want an autographed copy is what <laughs> yeah, I say. Really? You'll have one. You'll Absolutely. Have one. Amen. And then you said there was a second, the Second Chance Foundation. You talked about that. I, I went online and looked at that. There's a bunch of them throughout there are. the country. There are. Uh, many of them are 503C uh, form. Ours was out of pocket, out of heart, because um, if I buy something for Trish, I pay tax on it right up front. I don't like the fact that IRS can come around and say, you owe us money. I pay for my, pay my way right up front. And um, I've been audited twice. Our ministry been audited twice. And both times I have proved to them exactly what they needed and gotten a very nice letter from IRS both times. And the last one said, we will not be bothering you again. But I believe in being transparent. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's why. But that is not why I would never run for a political office. I'm transparent, but I just can't stand political things. <laughs> I I like to think outside the box, you know, and like your ministry, it handles things in a biblical manner, and that's what I love about it. Amen. I like yourself and your ministry. We've just turned it all over to God, and I tell you what we've seen happen. You know, nothing surprises us anymore. Nope. And you're anymore. right. You can't outgive God. You nope. can't outthink God, and uh, He's got every show, every guest, every penny allotted for God Stories Radio, and I'm going to believe the same for well, Second just like, Chance. just like we said at the beginning when Rex came in here, you and I were against doing anything about that at all. It, it, we were just stewards running this, and we loved doing it. And then when Rex walked in and said that, uh, it, I just I know Rex, and, and uh, he's not one to say something like that. No, he's not flipping at all. It was no. kind of God's way of saying, you know, uh, you fail to remember, I, I got this. So now I've been asking, okay, okay, God, you told us to do that. So a donation is a confirmation. Amen. There you go. And you can rest assured that when I get to the house, I will be one of the first ones to hit the donation button for you. Wow. Oh, man. I was on the... That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I get the goosebumps. Oh, the hair standing up on my arms. I was traveling on the road to Hobbs, New Mexico to visit a cousin of mine I hadn't seen in 26 years, and Z88.3 used to have a DJ in the morning, Scott, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard his voice on the radio, and it just called in and told him, 
put me down for a donation. I just got the paperwork in the mail when I got back from Texas. Already put the check in the mail. Yeah, I'm on fixed income. It belongs to God anyway. Amen. So if it'll help God's radio, so be it. Amen. Thank you. And I'll be planting the word for you out there every chance I can. Thank you. Appreciate it. Man, that. thank you, Tom. And we we will do the same. Absolutely. And I mean, this is, this is going to hit. Right now we're in 28 countries throughout the world. So you just told your story to <laughs> at least 28 countries in the world. If somebody wanted to get more information or maybe had a question for you, Tom, on a personal level, how could they how could they get in touch with you? The best ways would still be through my cell phone, if that's okay to give. Sure. To that's up to you. That's yeah, they could contact us at God Stories Radio at Gmail. That, that would be and great. We could too. get that to you. Um, but you're more than welcome to give your number if you'd like. I'm also on Facebook. Um, my wife used to think that Facebook was everybody putting their dirty laundry out there, but. I told her, they I do. said, no, honey. Oh, they do. And I told her, no. I said, you've got to, if you went and visited my webpage one time on Facebook, you would see that it's nothing but inspirational and uplifting. And the number of people that have called me and texted me and said, I needed that this morning. I, mm-hmm. What you put on there, I needed that. Even older men that said, I don't want anything to do with Facebook. I've got two of them on there now. And they just find it inspirational, uplifting. They go there now and they share their own inspirational points and um so i'm at tom barnhill on facebook and um if you wanted to email me t barnhill at cfl.rr.com would be great and then to get in touch with us you can go to of course www.godstoriesradio.com or we have godstoriesradio at gmail.com facebook is god stories radio of course mm-hmm. and twitter god stories radio on twitter if you want to download us we're on tumblr itunes spreaker stitcher and iheart radio and uh, i was very thankful for facebook given that that was the means that that, that young, lady. Uh, young lady chose to get a hold of us that messenger and it was right away it was it was so, right on time know, I'm, I'm thankful <laughs> in that respect for social media Right. All the way. Yeah. I mean, and like, when again, it's, you just think about it. Who they? Nobody knows what night we do this. No. And, and the time we finish, we just finished with a testimony that night, and she calls in or t- you know goes through the Facebook. That was unbelievable. That's what keeps us going, doesn't it, brother Tom? Amen. Just it's takes one tiny confirmations on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It keeps a rubber where the road is, and we just have to keep rolling. Mike and I call it throwing us a bone. A lot of times yeah. we just pray for God to give us a bone. I need one of those T-shirts called Riding the Wave when you get them made. Oh, okay. you, you get the first one, brother. Amen. Putting you down for the first one. Wow, it's hard to believe, Mike, one year. One year. This I is mean, our one-year anniversary, um, session 40. And, Brother Tom, you just you hit a home run. Thank you for yes, coming. thank and you very thank much. You, thank for you for your time. And I know, as we say, that uh, someone's out there needed to hear what you had to say and we couldn't be more thankful that you took your your time to come by and yeah not everybody says yes we we ask we always pray about it first and then you know we approach the person and ask them if they'll if they have a testimony and if they'll share their testimony first we ask if they have one and ultimately everyone says yes but then when you ask if they'll share it 
Not everyone is willing to share it, so thanks for coming You know, coming that's out. the same way it is when I ask women to come to the prayer breakfast and share their testimony. 6.30? Yes, I know it's early. I've seen you. You do not need me to rest. Okay, well, thank you. I'll think about it, and then they never come. Yeah. So, I'll think about it, and I'll try. That's the... Those are the keys. Well, when he told me 6.30, I said, oh, man. Yeah, you whined a little bit. I remember he that. He did a little bit. We said, but he's going to come and do our show, so you got to go do his thing. That's right. <laughs> Mike's on tour, man. He's been asked to well, he's again, that's, spoke at... Uh, that's um, taking it on the road. There you go. I mean, it's two times in the Brother last... Brother Tom said it's the, the push. Month. It's the start. Yeah. Okay. So, man, this is such a good show. I hate to end, but the obedience. I just uh, appreciate you guys hanging out with us for a while and uh, appreciate Brother Tom coming and giving his testimony. And um, I feel a partnership. I feel a kindred spirit. I do, too. It's not going to end here. So, anyway, well, that wraps it up for Session 40, our one-year anniversary. Amen. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. I'm Trish. God and bless. I'm Pastor Tom. Pastor Tom. God, God bless. bless. Take a hold.